Mark 3, verse 13, let's go. Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Verse 14, Mark chapter 3, 701. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. And these are the names of the 12 that he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Bonerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is the word of God from Mark chapter 3. You know, on, on one level, this is just a list of names, right? And I imagine this is what life is like for, for teachers and professors, those of you who are here with us today, that, that every year, this time of year, you get a new roster full of a bunch of kids' names that you have no idea who they are. And so often what we do, and we, we, you know, I can just imagine for teachers, you're, you're looking at this roster, and, and you're looking at these names, and you're trying to make some kind of connection. Oh, that, that kid's name, I wonder if he's related to a kid that I had three years ago. Or, or you, you, you hear an obscure name, you see an obscure name, and you're like, man, that kid's parents are just weird. I can't wait to meet them, and why would they name their kid that? And, 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 or, you, or you go, man, I, I've heard about this kid, that his reputation precedes him. And, and the reason I start here is because I want us to understand that, that many of us, when we, when we come to this text, we, we read this um, list of names like it's a roster of students that we've, we don't know anything about. And that's amazing. It's totally okay. I'm so glad you're here. That Mark chapter 13, verse 13 is just a list of names to you. For others of you, uh, maybe you've read the scriptures, maybe you, you know the story, maybe you've been following Jesus for a while, and so you know that, that as the story unfolds, this list of names, we actually get to know them. We get to to see some things about them and to learn some things. But here's the kind of equal playing ground that we all start on this morning is that, that up until this point, we know very, very little about these guys' backstory. I was reminded this week that, that 12 names, and we know very little about their strengths, about their struggles. We know very little about their questions. We know very little about these guys. Let's keep pulling this down. Let's keep pulling this into, because these are, are real stories. This really happened. And, and so often there's just disconnect that happens in our hearts and what's going on here. So let's think about it like this. Even those of you who are in this room, like the people that you're sitting beside, you have no idea who they are. They're just a name to you. Just like in this story, you go, man, um, what was life like for these guys growing up? What was life like for the person sitting beside you? Did they grow up with a loving father in the home? Or were they raised by their grandparents or their older brother or by a loving mom and dad? These 12 men, I wonder what their education level was. Had they been schooled at all? We don't know if these guys were the life of the party or if they were never invited to one. If they grew up going to church or if they had no interest in it at all. They are names to us with backstories and gifts and experiences that we don't yet know about from the onset. But here's what I love about Mark chapter 3, and we're going to talk about this for a minute, that, that these men were important to Jesus, just like you're important to him. 
Four things I want to point out in this story, in this text, that kind of hopefully help bring that down into our hearts, so those words actually kind of make their way from our ears down into our hearts. The first is this, and it's not even mentioned in this story. It's actually mentioned in Luke's account. So the way that the Gospels work, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so often they will tell the same stories, but they'll tell it from different angles, and they'll give different details. And I love the detail that we're given in Luke chapter 6, where it says that Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he spent the whole night praying. And the next morning when the sun rose and dawn broke in and light filled the earth, he walked down the mountain and he called these 12 men to him. This first thing I want us to think about is this idea that that Jesus prayed. I don't know how many of you have spent all night praying before. I'm going to wonder what he prayed about. Don't really know. 12 hours of, of praying, you can get a lot in though, right? What we do know is that coming out of this prayer, Jesus called these 12 to him. Was there clarity? Was there discernment? Was was Jesus wrestling with the Father? Who should I invite? Who are the 12? Who are the people? What's the number? And he comes out of this prayer time with clarity and he invites these 12 men. Jesus prayed. The second thing I want us to see in the story is that Jesus called them. So their culture was way different than ours is today. And so um, the way things would work back in their day is, uh, you know, people who, like, like us, if you're, if you're wanting to, to grow in your relationship with the Lord, if you're wanting to, to learn, you would seek out these spiritual authorities, these people called rabbis, and you would essentially just say, hey, will you, will you teach me your ways? Will you, will you let me follow you? Will you let me just watch you and learn from you? Would you, would you just, would you mentor me? That was the, the religious norm the, 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 of the day. And yet, what do we see happening here in Mark chapter 3? The apostles don't go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, can we be your disciples? Can we follow you? Can we spend the rest of our, our lives walking with you and learning from you? No, what happens? What does this, the scripture tell us? Jesus looks at these guys and he invites them. Complete reversal from the cultural and the religious norm. Jesus calls these guys, this this ragtag group of people. They didn't seek him out. He sought them out. Thought about how important it is to understand this idea of being called. When I was in elementary school, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. I still stand by that. Um, I grew up in small town, Kentucky, in Murray. It's over in western Kentucky. And uh, there's this... um, the university in town, Murray State, and so my younger brother and my dad and my grandfather and I would go to all the Murray State basketball home games, and we'd, we'd get there early, and the way that the, the arena was set up is there was this kind of big tunnel in the middle of the gym, and all the players would stand in the tunnel kind of before the game got started, and all the kiddos like me would just stand right by the tunnel. We would just get them to sign things, get them to sign hats and shirts, and, and I had the same autograph like 50 times from the same person. Well, my favorite player's name was D.T. Mays, and, and I remember I just lived to, to get there and get to talk to him and to connect with him before the game. Well, I remember this... Uh, one morning before school, I'm in elementary school, and I'm getting ready, I'm probably gelling my hair, I'm like trying to uh, just get ready for the day, and, um, and I remember uh, my mom says, hey, you got a phone call, Brandon, so I go to my room, and I have that basketball phone, I don't know if you had one of those, and I pick it up, and, and uh, this is before cell phones, really, and uh, I pick it up, and it's this guy, he says, hey, man, this is DT Mays, and I'm like, what? Why are you calling me? <laughs> Seven o'clock, and he said, hey, there's, there's a game tonight. He's like, I want you to, to be my, my guest tonight. He's like, I've got tickets reserved for you. It's a special gate, special seats reserved for you and your family. I want you to, to come to this game. And, 
And I'm just telling you, for a third grader, like that loved basketball, that loved this dude, this was like, you didn't get any better. This is like climbing Everest for you mountain climbers. Like, and, and there was something about that happened that day where like my whole life I was just, I was seeking him out. I was like wanting to be his friend and getting his autograph. And then the, the fact that he found my number and he sought me out and he called me. And I go, unless you understand that, that Jesus called these guys, we're going to get to us in just a minute, that, that we missed something beautiful. Next thing I want us to see in this story is that, that he appointed 12, might be what your translations say in verse 14, says that he appointed 12. Actually, uh, the original language is better translated, the, the word made instead of appointed. And the difference is important. To appoint is to select from an existing group and to, to elevate to a new status. But to make means to bring into existence something that is not. You see, it's like Jesus is wanting these guys to understand from the very beginning of their journey with him, it wasn't about the, what they could do for Jesus. It, it wasn't that their own merits, their own good work had gotten them there, that Jesus was calling them because it was going to be about what he was going to do for them, what he was going to make of them. Fourth piece I want us to see about Jesus. So Jesus prayed, Jesus calls about what Jesus would make, and then this fourth detail, fourth detail is so important. It says that, that he called them and he pointed them that they might be with him. It's in verse 14. Jesus didn't just call these guys to get something out of them, to get something from them. He called them because he wanted to be with them. To spend three years, almost a thousand days with, with people that like, you don't really even know. Could you imagine this? Group of people that, that besides Peter, Andrew, James, and John, we're not even sure if any of them even knew each other, and they, and they come together, and Jesus invites these guys on a three-year road trip with him. Think about road trips you've gone on. Do you ever invite fr- like people on, on road trips with you that, that you can't stand being around? If you do, you're crazy. No, when, when you're going on a road trip, you invite your buddies, you invite people that you want to know, people that you care about, people that you want to invest in. Think about a road trip that some of my friends and I went right before our senior year of college. We, we drove all the way from San Diego up to, to, to Washington, to Seattle, Washington. Five pretty big dudes, like in this one car. And you don't do that with people that you care nothing about. And I want us to see this because it's so important that Jesus wanted company with these guys. He wanted friendship. He wanted intimacy. And I also want us to see this because this is just as important from the onset. He did want intimacy and he did want friendship and he did want relationship. But what does the second part of verse 14 tell us about part of the reason that he appointed them and he made them, that he was doing this? It says that, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And here's what is kind of hitting me this week as I was wrestling with Mark chapter 3. That the blessing which Jesus Christ brings into a community is never meant to be confined to that community only. 
Then when the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, when they start doing in us, when they, when they pour out their mercy, when they pour out their grace, when they, when they pour out forgiveness, when they pour out healing, when they, when they start giving us spiritual gifts, when they draw near to us, when they, when they answer our questions, when they, when they satisfy the deepest longings of our heart, when they, when they pour out the Spirit on us, when we gather, it is meant, it is meant for our intimacy. That Christ longs to, to have deep friendship. The Holy Spirit longs to have deep friendship. That the Father longs to have deep friendship with each and every single one of us. But from the onset, it's never just been about having this tight, exclusive group of people that has Jesus all to ourselves. That from the very beginning, even back to Genesis 1 and 2, where, where God creates man and woman, he says, I, wanna, I want you to bless the world. He says it again in Genesis chapter 12 with this guy named Abram. He says, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless the entire world or the entire world will be blessed to you. This is a, the purpose of the church, that we would have intimacy and friendship, that we would know God, that we would understand forgiveness and grace and mercy, and that we would take that which God is doing in us and we'd extend it beyond these four walls. And from the very beginning, we have to understand this, that Jesus wanted these guys to be with him. And he knew that what he was going to do in them and in their community was going to be too good to be confined to just their little community. Here's why we're talking about this today. Here in about 30 minutes, when we get done worshiping, we get done singing and taking communion, I get done talking. We're going to have a time for anyone that wants to join a house church to join one. You might know these as small groups or life groups or cell groups or group groups, whatever you grew up hearing them, or maybe you've never heard anything about them. But, but our house churches are, are our way of, of, of connecting with people. And I'll say this because so often we can kind of paint unintentionally this, uh, this um, unrealistic picture of what house church is. And so I want to say this from the very beginning. Um, our house churches are not perfect, for they are filled with people like you and me. Who are not perfect. There's more good news. Um, they will not meet all of your needs. You will be around some people that will annoy you and irritate you, that you do not see eye to eye on things about. And doesn't that make you want to join a house church today? Like, isn't that a good sales pitch? But it's the truth. We're going to come back to this, but, but I want to say this because uh, the, the same things that I believe to be true of Jesus in Mark 3 are still true today. As we gather here as a family at Cannery, as, as we gather in our house churches throughout the week. And here's what I mean. And so I pointed out these four details about Jesus, that Jesus prays, that Jesus calls, about what Jesus makes. And it's about us having fellowship with Jesus because he's still doing those things today. So Jesus is praying for us right now. And how do we know that? Because Romans chapter 8, verse 34 tells us that Jesus is at the Father's right hand and he's interceding for us right now. So I don't know what you picture Jesus doing, but he's not at uh, the Father's right hand sitting on his throne going, man, I hope Jamie gets that thing figured out that she's working through. And, you know, I hope, I hope Hubie, you know, finally overcomes that problem he's going through. It's good luck. Figure it out, Taylor. I hope you, hope you can get it all straightened out by yourself. No, he's at the Father's right hand. He's interceding for us. 
that Jesus is real and he's powerful and he speaks and things change and things happen. And he's at the Father's right hand and he's, he's praying for us. God, would you, would you fill my, my people with a fresh power, with a fresh joy, with a fresh energy? Would you help them to have, understand their holiness that has been gifted to them? Would you help them start living into it? Father, would you, would you give them an, an unrelenting passion for holiness and for joy and for peace? Would you help them to, to be filled with the fullness of the Spirit? He's at the, the Father's right hand. He's interceding for us. John chapter 17, right before he endured Gethsemane, before he endured the cross of Calvary, he says, he's praying on his knees in front of his apostles, and he says, I pray, Father, that every person that comes to, to know me, that they would be one. So Jesus is praying for us to have a oneness, that we would be for each other, not against each other, that we would hold each other's arms up that we would suffer together, that when, when, when life happens, that we, uh, we start thinking about people and caring about people more than we care about ourselves. Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is calling us. Do you realize that just like, do you realize that just like the disciples, that none of us came to God and said, God, I want to be yours? I want to follow you. I want to be a Christian. And, and you're saying, no, Brandon, that's exactly how it went. Like... I realized that I was broken. I realized that, that I needed forgiveness. I realized how good God was, so I invited him into my heart. I gave my life to him. I go, that's true on one level, but much deeper. What was going on below the surface, maybe you didn't even recognize this, is John chapter 6, verse 44, where Jesus says that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And the reason you know Jesus is not because you invited him into your life. It's because he invited you into his. He called you. That long before you even cared, he was pursuing you. And, and he's just the, the master chess player. I don't even know how to play chess. But, but he's putting people in your life to, that point you to him. You're part of the family of God because he invited you, because he called you. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to, to open your eyes and to take this in. That you're in a room full of full of people who are worshiping the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're in a bar in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> and maybe you're not just here because some pretty girl invited you. And maybe you're not just here so that uh, you keep your parents or your roommates or your friends off your back. Maybe you're here because God is calling you into friendship with him. third thing I want us to see that's true of Mark 3, that's true of today, is perhaps the Lord has, has called us to him because he's wanting to make something of us. Maybe it's just, maybe it's more, maybe it's bigger than just about my relationship with the Lord and Mary's relationship with the Lord and Michael's relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's, it's bigger than, than just us. Maybe God wants to make something, do something amazing through, through this family, this church body. What if we start to view our calling like that? As we wait with expectation, God, what are you going to do? How are you going to change us? How are you going to unite us? How are you going to set us free? How are you going to use us to make a difference in this city, in this culture, in this world? The fourth thing that I believe is still true is that Jesus desires intimacy with us. That he loves us. His blood was shed. His body was broken on the cross of Calvary. Not just so that you could experience forgiveness of sins in this life, so that you can have eternal life now and forever. 
He just didn't die for you just because he can tolerate you. He died for you because he wants you and he loves you. And so we find ourselves here today in a room full of other people. People that Jesus is working in and on and around. And the reality is that for many of us, the people around us are just names. That the people that are touching shoulders with you, you're a little bit uncomfortable. Sorry about that, because they're touching your shoulders. Um, either they are new to ethos or you're new to ethos. So many new people here. And our house churches, they are not the answer to everything. But I do believe they are a big solution of bringing the kingdom of God further down and spreading it further out into the world. I want to invite you to move beyond your fears and your reservations and to join a house church this year. House churches meet on different nights of the week. They're scattered all over the city. Hendersonville to Franklin to Bellevue to Mount Juliet and all in between. Our house churches are as small as six people up to 25 people. We study the scriptures. We, we play and we pray and we, and we worship and we serve and we get to know each other. Let me speak into some of the hesitations that, that you might be feeling right now, that some of you probably are feeling, that, um, that you were a part of a, a small group before and, and you shared something or someone did something to you and it has just scarred you so badly. And so the thought of, of joining a, a group like this, of joining a house church, you're just so fearful. And I'm not going to stand here indifferently and callously and just and say, just get past it, just work through your fears. No, I, I understand the pain and the heartache, but I'm just asking, would you, would you open your heart once again? Would you, would you engage in a house church? Some of you here, you're in a major transition in life. You're going to school for the first time, you're at college, or you're about to get married, or you're about to have a baby, or your spouse travels all the time. And there are so many just kind of reasons that when, when life hits, it's just like, man, it's everything I can do just to keep the, the, the plates spinning. And, and what I've seen so often, I've been doing house church for about seven years now, is that it's, it's so often in the midst of, of, of those big transitions in life um, that you need community most. Um, some of you, you're so scared about opening up and letting people see the real you. And one of the things that I hope you understand here at Ethos, if you've been with us for a long time, or if this is your first time, that, that we are a church that, that celebrates and that, and that rejoices with, with people who are, are, are willing to confess and share and let people see the real you. Because here's a reality, that the people who stand up here and speak, the people who lead worship, the people that stand out in the lobby, the people who are your house church leaders, they are broken, sinful people. And none of us have it all together. And none of us have the answers that each of us stumble, each of us fall. In fact, on Friday, I just had one of those days I was telling Dave, I said, I just kind of had this hard heart all day Friday, just angry. I had this great day. It's my day off. I'm, day, I'm at home with, with my wife and my kids. I hang out with my, my, some of my best friends in the world on Friday night. And I just had this spirit of anger over my heart all day. And I knew what was going on. And I refused to, to really deal with it. I refused to just invite God to come into it. And so I'm, I'm just kicking myself all day yesterday going, I'm such an idiot. Why did I, I sin? And I, and, I, and I tell you that this morning because I want you to know that, that there's something so powerful about just letting people see the real you. And all your struggles and all of your questions, and I hope that what you find in house church is, is people that are safe and loving and welcoming enough to let them see the, the real struggles and the real pain and the real desire for Jesus that you have. 
Think about a house church that I was in a couple years ago that my wife and I led. And honestly, from uh, the beginning, it was just a list of names for the most part. Just like in Mark 3, if this is a, the, the final place that you read in the Bible, you would not know anything else about the way that these guys develop. But what you love, what you see, what you discover about these men is that they got to, real, to live real life in front of each other. That they didn't go and clean up their life and figure everything out and then come into the group. No, they came into the group in the, in, in the midst of, of, of this community. They, they saw each other struggle and they saw each other's strengths. They saw each other in their doubt and they saw each other in their belief. They, they saw Jesus deal with their sin and their idols and they saw Jesus come in with his forgiveness. They saw Jesus uh, leave their group and to go and care about people that were not a part of their tight little knit group. And what you discover as you keep reading, what you discover about these names is that they are, are people with experiences and gifts in life. And this is what you'll discover in House Church, that, that it is not just a group of strangers, it is a group of people that have things to teach you about God and yourself. And if you will open your life, if you'll open your schedule this year, if you'll open your heart, you will find people who will not, who you, not, who you won't just love them, but they'll in turn love you. And I can tell you story after story here, but... I want you just to see for yourself. I invite you just to, to join and to try and to see for yourself. So here's what I'm asking. Will's going to get back up and lead worship in just a minute. And we're going to take communion. We do this every week. There's a cup of juice and a piece of bread. And we do this every week to remember Jesus, to be reminded that, that it is his death and his resurrection that, that seals us, that forgives us. It's not our own work and our own merit. And as we take communion, we like to do this thing where, where we, we interact together. So it's not just this personal one-on-one -on -one time with God, but we think commun communion is this communal moment where we share and we press in together that, that we're a family. And so let's practice this. And so I'm going to invite you to, to, when Will gets back up, I'm going to dismiss this to communion, to go get a piece of bread, to get a cup, and, and to come back to your chairs. I invite you to, to circle up your chairs and to pray together. I invite you to, to, to pray for each other and to pray that, that God would just lay it on your heart to join a house church today, that he would guide you, that, that you would uh, just, just lay this request before him. Just pray. Second thing I'm going to invite you to do is when we get done with worship today, we're going to uh, dismiss, we're going to go upstairs, there's a venue upstairs, and there's free pizza waiting on you, and there's everything you need to know about joining a house church. And I'm going to invite you, when we get done today singing and all down here, to, to go upstairs and uh, to pray. And the second thing is, is to join a house church. And the third thing I want to invite you into this year is to keep your life open to the Lord and to the people you commit to. So pray, join, and commit. And this year in the middle of your house church is, as you're doing life with these people, man, don't just show up. Be all in. And as the Lord leads you this year to, to share and to respond and to care for people. I don't know what the Lord is going to do this year. But I know he loves you. I know he wants you to know him more. I know he wants to use you to bless this world, the world that doesn't yet know him. And so you think about this. A group of people that are called by the Lord, that are committed to each other, with lives that are wide open to him. What might God do? I don't know. I'll tell you what. I'll stand up here in May, and I'll tell you about the things we saw God do this year. But you have to choose to be a part of it. Let's pray.
God, thank you for just your goodness. Um, thank you for today, for letting us worship. Um, God, I pray that in our time of communion that um, you would help us to really um, just fellowship with you, that you would touch us, that you would speak to us, that you would help us move beyond our fears. Um, thank you for these people, for these men and women, as you allow, allow them to really see what you're doing in their lives. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.